Hello there, cat people. Welcome to episode 28 of the Shelter Cats podcast. We are deep into season two. The Shelter Cats podcast is my labor of feline love. All about the shelter cats that have made a difference in my life, about the people that make a difference in the lives of shelter cats, and hopefully will serve as an inspiration to get you to adopt a shelter cat of your own. Adopt, don't shop. Right now, as I'm recording this in my scratchy voice. I'm getting over um, a stomach bug, so I may sound a little funny. But right now, as I'm speaking to you, there is an amazing shelter cat waiting in a rescue, in a shelter, in a town shelter, in a foster, or even in your by your back door, waiting to come home with you and change your life forever. Because there's no love like feline love. Absolutely no love in the world like feline love. So, and that's my show, the Shelter Cats Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. We're now on the 28th episode, deep into season two, an amazing season plan. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Captain Hudson. We all need a Captain Hudson in our lives, don't we? (laughs) Uh, But this week we have an amazing Long Island rescue, Community Cats of Long Island. Another episode where I had some technical difficulties, but what the hell? Does it really matter? Do you all care? I have not gotten one complaint where anybody says, I will refuse to listen because of all your technical difficulties. Nobody cares. It's about the cats. So thank you for bearing with me. I'm getting better as a host and as an editor (laughs) for the show. So thank you so much. And I want to hear from you too. I'm hearing from wonderful rescues all over the country, even even internationally. I'm hearing from people from all walks of life that have their stories to tell about their cats and the efforts they do to change the lives of cats, whether they're homeless cats or shelter cats. So I want to hear from you too. So how do you find me? Well, I'll tell you. You can go on the web at tywardthecat.com. You can go and email me. Dan at TylerTheCat.com. I'm on Facebook. The page is called Shelter Cats. I'm on Twitter. The page is called Shelter Cats POD. Or my own Twitter is Dan Tract, which I do a little more. It's called X Twitter. I still call it Twitter. I am on Instagram and TikTok, Shelter Cats Podcast. I am on Threads, Shelter Cats Podcast. I am on YouTube, also with Shelter Cats. And I still, I know I said there was going to be video, but I'm kind of dragging my feet about the video part because A, I don't want to look at myself interviewing people. B, the people that I interview, um, God bless them. They come back from rescues and they don't want to be on video. So I I think we're going to stick with the audio for now. But I have the audio on the YouTube channel. So if you're a YouTube aficionado like I am, I'm on YouTube basically all the time, um, you can play the episode on YouTube if you so desire. So that's how you find me. Don't be shy. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your stories. And you may be a future guest in season two or season three. So today we have Stephanie, who is the director of Community Cats of Long Island. She is a tireless advocate on behalf of of shelter cats and homeless cats and feral cats and just does amazing, amazing, amazing things on behalf of 
homeless cats. And that's what this is all about. People that just make a difference. And I want to get their stories. So, without further ado, I'm going to turn off my scratchy sore throat. And here is my chat with Stephanie of Community Cats of Long Island. Enjoy. Hi. Hi, Stephanie. It's been so long since we've spoken. How are you? Welcome to the show. How is it going? Good. We're good. Um, so just so everyone knows, we had technical difficulties. So we're starting the recording from the beginning. So Stephanie, welcome to the Sheltercast podcast. How are you? I'm good. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so you, you've never heard this before, but I have to say it again. But everyone listening, this is the first time you're hearing it. Uh, This show is all about giving voice to people who've helped shelter cats, homeless cats, feral cats, cats that are not shopped, cats that are adopted. That's the whole point uh, of this show. So I've given voice to a lot of rescues uh, all, all up and down the East Coast. So can you introduce yourself again and tell me how you got into rescuing cats? Yeah, sure. So my, my name is Stephanie Natanakola, and um, I started off at a young age. Uh, my, my parents kind of got me into it indirectly. Um, so they had an ice cream shop out in Shirley, and there were feral cats behind the shop. And I started feeding them and taking care of them. Um, I think I was about eight years old. And my mom and I um, went ahead and started getting them all fixed because there were quite a lot. There were about 30 cats back there. Um, yeah, so, you know, I went with her to the vet appointments. Um, we did the aftercare together after surgery. So I kind of learned a lot, um, you know, from, from doing that at an early age too. Did you have cats at home? Um, we had, I think two cats at the time. Okay. So you not only had cat cats, you grew up your parents had an ice cream shop. I'm jealous, first of all. Yeah, it, it was quite fun. I got to taste taste everything every single day. That's like, you know, you can have all the ice cream you want as a kid. That's like my dream now <laughs> as, an, as an adult. Um, so they were, li- they were living in the back of the store, basically. Yeah, like out behind the, behind the store. And um, so that really like fostered your passion for wanting to help cats. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where it started. And um, the our first two cats <clears throat> had come from behind the store. And um, I think the we had taken a couple more, I think there were three more that came from there. Um, they were actually dumped back there because, you know, people saw that we were taking care of the cats. So, you know, they just started leaving cats and friendly cats and kittens back there. So... Oh wow. It was, it was a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's that's where it grows so fast to 30 cats. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that were um like the unfixed females that we started obviously spaying. Right. Um but then, you know, as people learned about it, they would just keep dumping cats back there too. So how did how long did that last and when did you get into actually being you know the the community cats of long island how did that come about so we left the store uh, my parents sold it when i was i think 16 um 
And then I think two years after that, I started doing more um, TNR in the community on my own. I started helping homeowners. Um, I was, you know, assisting them with the trapping. I was fostering adoptable cats um, for different rescue groups that I had trapped. Um, doing aftercare. Yeah, everything on my own. I think at one point, my bedroom kind of turned into like a foster room. So at one point, I think I had 12 fosters in my bedroom. Um, I probably had about like eight cages set up all over my room. It was crazy. And, um, and, you, still li- and you still lived in that room as well? Yeah, I, I slept in the bed. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 is, that is something that I could, that I could, that I could picture. I just picture every, everybody who does rescue has a bedroom full of, Full of cats. Yeah. This is how it has how it has to be. So how did and then how did the organization come about? So that started um in twenty twenty one. Um I had met my boyfriend Zach and he he's not he wasn't not a cat person, but he's never really had cats, but I kinda like dragged him into the cat rescue world forcefully. I'm like, come to the dark side with me. Um, so he resist not really he's like all right this is cool i guess i could do this um so i like him already yeah yeah and um he started off i was feeding a bunch of cats in amityville all my feral colonies and he would come with me there on weekends and you know help me um you know change bedding in the houses and feed them and everything um And then I moved in with him and I was still going to drive back and forth to take care of my cats, obviously. And he's like, no, no, we'll just build something in the yard and we'll take all the cats. I'm like, all right, that's sounds good to me. Um, So we actually built, um, we have two buildings and then we have an enclosure area. So all my Amityville cats, we trapped them all and brought them all with me. Um, and then that's wow. kind of, yeah, so that's kind of how Community Cat started. Um, because from there, my vision was always to take in, um, like, sick or, um, like, terminally ill cats, um, almost like hospice care for ferals. Um, that's, a, that's amazing. Yeah, so that's, I really love taking care of the ones that, like, nobody else wants, the you know, the reject cats. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, I have all my Amityville cats still with me, but we have taken in um, other cats that, you know, have issues and came from colony situations. And we have one that's deaf and blind. We have one with an amputated tail. We have another one who has asthma. So we, we have a bunch of like interesting, interesting kitties with us. So where it's obvious their colony days are over, I guess. Yeah. So they'll spend the rest of the life with me here. So it really is a community. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our main thing is our little sanctuary here in our yard. And we're actually going to be expanding the enclosure area probably in another month or two. Um, And that's, that's our main thing, but, I do try and help people still um, 
if they have cats that they need to TNR, I loan them traps. I show them how to trap. I try and teach them instead of just doing it for them because I feel like that's a lot more beneficial, especially with all the animals that need help. It's like you just can't be everywhere at once. So Yeah, yeah. you, you mentioned burnout. That's obviously the number one issue with cat rescue especially in New York. I, I interviewed a bunch of New York and Brooklyn and five boroughs organizations and they, the, the amount of burnout that they face with their fosters and trappers is like more than ever. They're telling me. Yeah. It's, it just got a lot for me um, at that point in my time, you know, a couple of years ago and I kind of just stopped completely cause I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. And, um, when I started this project up again, I knew I couldn't let it get to that point again, because even doing a little bit is better than doing nothing. And then, you know, just ruining yourself. So, um, yeah, I, the, the, yeah. The, the, the teaching I think is so important. I wish there was more of that. Um, just to be able to show people it's not fundamentally, it's not that, difficult i mean can you go into how you trap i mean can you give us like a three second crash course yeah so i mean it's not as you said super difficult um there's a couple different traps trap brands um i really like the true catch especially like the bigger ones they have a fat cat trap it's called (laughs) so it's a little bit wider and longer so it's it's kind of more comfortable for the cat um, you know, once they get trapped instead of the like narrower, smaller ones. Um, so I try and use those traps and, um, I just bait, bait the one end. Usually I use tuna, uh, rotisserie chicken, sardines, anything kind of nice and smelly. Um, right. So it attracts them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I'll do like a little trail, like going into the trap, just even some of the juice, sometimes I dribble it a little bit just so it has that uh, smell. And then um, I'll open and set the trap on the other end. Sometimes I cover the trap. Sometimes I don't, depending on the cat and the situation. Um, and then from there, it's just pretty much a waiting game. And the waiting could take minutes or hours or days sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Some cats, I if the regular traps don't work, we would use something called a drop trap where they kind of go underneath of it. Um, but even that, like some cats have to be tra- trap trained. So we'll leave the trap um, propped up, of course, securely so it can't fall and let the cat um, eat under it and around it just to get them more comfortable before we try and actually trap. Um of course, we don't do this in like public areas, you know, if it's like a backyard or something where right. the traps can be safely left. Um, but yes. Hello. Stephanie, I think we lost you again. Steph. Stephanie. Hello. I lost you again. No problem. That part we could edit. So, so once you've trapped the cat, like, what do you, do you 
bring them right to get fixed? Like, what do you do immediately after you trap the cat? Um, like, door is closed, cat is freaking out, spinning around, going, what the hell did you just do? What, do you, what is, like, the immediate next step? So, immediately, we would cover them with a towel or a sheet just to calm them down. Um, and being covered, it does help them feel a little more secure. Uh, usually, they start freaking out. I've had maybe a handful of cats that still continue to freak out once they're covered, but mainly they, they calm down, you know, right away. Right. Yeah. Guess, and then I, once they realize there's nothing they could do, I guess they just kind of resign themselves to being in, you know, the fact that they're, they're, they're caught. Yeah. And you know, the fact that if they're not like out in the open, you know, all these weird people staring at them and they're in some kind of box, you know, they don't know what's going on, but right. once they're covered up, it's more like, like a hidey hole. Like they can't see anyone. Nobody can see them. So they're kind of like, you know, I guess they calm down a little bit because they don't realize as much what's happening. And then that cat goes to, goes to get fixed. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you know, the appointment, you know, is until the morning or whatever, we'll set them up for the night, um, you know, paper and the trap, um, every now and then, like if we trap a day early, you know, obviously we have food and water in the trap until their appointment time. Um, then they would get dropped off at the vet and then picked up obviously when the vet calls us for, for pickup. And then they recover with you, I guess, before they're re-released. Um, either with me or sometimes the home homeowners, um, will agree to do it, which if they feel comfortable enough, I say, sure. Like I'll show you. Cause again, I'm all about the teaching because we really need, you know, more people to understand, you know, the process and be willing to like help themselves. Right. Um, cause I, we've had that happen several times. Like I've, you know, taught a bunch of people and now they're like trapping, you know, for other people. So it's good. It's kind of like continues, you know, the cycle, like the more we teach, the more those people can teach and, you know, help others. Yeah. It sounds like it's the most valuable resource. More people that can trap means more, more cats that could get fixed. It means you could, you know, put a dent on what is a, never-ending epidemic of homeless cats exactly and where do you have like um like a like a region a neighborhood that you focus on or you'll 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 go anywhere on the island or do you focus on just specific towns um i used to kind of go everywhere um now mainly people ask for help in my area so i'm in central islip um there's a ton of cats here um, or the surrounding areas. So if, if someone reaches out, no matter where they are, I try and help them somehow, you know, even if they're in Queens, like I try and do my best to find someone that can help them wherever they are, if I can't. Um, but I try and stay more local. And how many, how many cats are in your care now? So right now we got 40, 40 little furry babies. Um, they're the love of my life. <laughs> of course. So, How could you not love any of them? I know. They're there. 
all different. They all have different personalities. And it's just really amazing to see because some people, they don't really realize, you know, they just say, oh, it's just a cat. They don't realize how different they all are and, you know, how affectionate and, you know, they're just, they're like amazing little creatures. I mostly, which is why I do this show, I mostly prefer cats to people. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I have had more fulfilling relationships, so to speak, with with felines and with people. Um, my my ex can attest to that, but I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that that's besides the point. So my, my big question, I'm always curious about this. So obviously you got into TNR before you were when you were in grade school so that's a long span have you seen and i take it you grew up on long island in in suffolk county no i was actually um i lived in massapequa see that's kind of a trick question because we basically were out in shirley all the time because we were homeschooled okay then when my parents sold the store when I was about 16, we were more in Massapequa. So I guess it's like half and half at this point. <laughs> but but Long Island, have you, seen, yeah. have you seen a change from childhood to now in terms of the state of affairs with homeless cats on Long Island? What, have, what um, changes have you seen for the better, for the worse? I think more people are getting involved and trying to help, which is a good thing. Um, it just seems like there's a lot more cats. Um, but there are more people kind of realizing what's going on and trying to lend a hand and do something. That's, that's the, probably the first time I've heard that perspective of you see more people wanting to try to help. And why do you think this is probably not a, this is probably not a question that can be completely answered why do you think there are more cats are there more just people that aren't fixing their cats as much or i spoke to Um, somebody i spoke to somebody the other day in brooklyn where where she enlightened me on the literal the big problem of back backdoor breeders that and i you know i i it was very upsetting to hear. Why do you think there are more cats? Is that can you even answer that question? Um, I think that is a hard question. I think part of it um, is people think they can't afford the surgery um, to get their animals fixed. Um, but there are a lot of low cost options out there. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons. Um, another reason is I think a lot of people let their um, unfixed cats out. So obviously, you know, there's feral cats roaming around that aren't fixed and we all know what happens. Yeah. Um, And then like the cycle just continues. So, you know, their cat has a litter and then just more, you know, more unfixed cats. Um, I think a lot of it is people who want to try and do the right thing, but they don't know where to turn for help. Either, you know, they don't have the funds, they don't have the, like, tools, traps. Um, And then I think there's some people that really just don't care. And, you know, you can say until you're blue in the face to them and they just don't care that their 
animals are reproducing and there's tons and tons of cats. It just doesn't matter to them. Yeah, and I wish there was a magic pill to to educate people faster, but we know we know that'll that'll never happen. No. Um, just you know, I I have a colony that comes to my yard. All but one of them are are TNR'd. Um, my the last one will elude me forever, but I'll get them. On the next block, there's one house that is. There are kittens and cats sleeping all over the all over the property. And I never mm. find them. They're never home. I never get to speak to I rang the doorbell. You know, you just see the cats coming and going. They look at me. They're they could care less. That's their property. And you could it's it's obvious they're not fixed because the males are intact. And you know, you never see anybody there. It's obvious somebody lives there, but it they're never home when I'm there. So I either have to leave a card or stalk them to, to get <laughs> to, you know, and I I don't want to stalk them you know so it's it's just you know one block is somewhat under control and the and you just go one block over and it's it's seemingly out of control um so i wish there was a magic pill but there's not that's why I, you know one one person at a time just getting people's stories and getting their opinions um is 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 the best we could do so of your 40 cats are any of them adoptable do you adopt out so the guys we take in are mainly unadoptable. Um, they're usually feral. They usually have uh, health issues. Um, the last couple ones we took in, they were feral when they came to us. And now they're like love bugs. So it's kind of weird. But um, they get to that point and they're kind of like bonded with us. So even if they were like adoptable, I wouldn't be able to give them up <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but but they have literally a community of their own, like a retirement community. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much what it is. Retirement I'm, community. I'm picturing like assisted living for cats, which sounds, which I, I've never heard of quite that angle. I think that's wonderful. So I really appreciate that you came on the show and, you know, we finally found a good signal and, and everything you do, I think is, I think that's wonderful that there's at least some place that, homeless cats that have kind of had a rough time of things. Um, Cause you hear so many stories like that of, uh, of, you know, um, I file, I've had John DeBacker on the show and all, all of what he posts of, of some cats that have been to hell and back. So at least that some of them have some place to go where obviously you've, you've spent your life doing this. Uh, I think I think is just wonderful. Did any of the cats eat ice cream when you were a kid? Like vanilla ice cream or no? I think we lost Stephanie again. Stephanie? Well. Uh, Hello. There you are. <laughs> I, I'm completely stationary. As I said, my... My own home does not have a good signal. <laughs> <laughs> where did you? Where did I could? I'll edit. That's no problem. Where did you lose me? Um, when you were asking about the cats eating the ice cream. Okay. Yeah. I. I. I did any of them? Because I had a cat when I was a kid that loved vanilla ice cream. Did that ever happen? Did any of them want ice cream? So 
we once the um, ice cream tubs were emptied, we actually I brought them outside so the cats could lick out the empty tubs. So they did only vanilla, no chocolate. Of course. They did eat ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my my first cat, Tyler, vanilla ice cream, whipped cream. That was like, you know, until he got brain freeze, that was his favorite thing in the world. I'd have to hide my ice cream from him. (laughs) (laughs) They like the whipped cream, too. (laughs) So that's really funny that not only you had ice cream, you you had ice cream, you had cats in an ice cream shop. That sounds like like freaking paradise to me. And they got to lick the ice cream, so that's wonderful. Yeah, and, and most of them had uh, ice cream names, too. So we had vanilla and chocolate and vanilla chip and mint chip. And I don't even remember the others, but it, it, was, it was fun. That's great. The, the last thing I always like to do is I like to give the person I'm talking to the floor for a minute. So... <laughs> You have the floor. What what advice do you want to give people? Be blunt. Curse if you feel you need to. Whatever. What is what? You have the floor. Just strongest piece of advice you can give people. Um, I think it would be to never give up. Um, even if things seem really hopeless and you're tired and you're done, just don't give up completely. Take a break you know, look at your life, spend some time, just take a break because the cat rescue will always be there. There will always be cats that need help. Um, You know, if you can't, if you're not in the right state of mind, you're not going to be a help to anyone or anything. So I, I think it's important to just, if you feel that burnout coming on, no matter how many people are asking you for help, just you need to say, I can't right now. Because it's just, if if you're done, then you can't help anyone else. And that's what I learned the hard way. And that's why right now I know what I can handle. And that's all I'm handling because I never want to get to that point again. Like I still want to be able to enjoy doing rescue and being able to help um, and not, you know, sitting crying at night just angry depressed sad and I just I never wanted to get to that point myself and I don't want anyone else to get to that point so my advice is if you feel you need a break take one for as long as you need and then just jump right back in because it will be so much better that's that's my piece of advice that's what I have learned I think that's so so very important I I so many people get burned out. I, you know, I get burned out from editing the show and I'm not even doing anything to rescue cats really. So I totally, I think that's just extremely important piece of advice. Always take breaks. It, yeah. You know, it, it'll be there when it'll be there when you want to come back. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Thank you so much. I will edit this together. It will sound as good as I could possibly get it. Um, <laughs> how can people find your organization? Um, so we are on Facebook, um, community cats of long Island. We're also on Instagram. Um, right now we still haven't done the website because there's just no time, but eventually we'll get there. So for now we just have, um, the Facebook and Instagram, uh, pages. Cool. So sir, go find community cats of long Island. You're doing amazing stuff. They have, she has an assisted living place for cats is what I'm calling it. I think that's. (laughs) 
that's awesome. It's you know cats that really need that really need that kind of thing. Thank you for what you do. One last question: Do your parents still make ice cream? Do you make ice cream at, at all? I'm sorry, I keep um, going back to ice cream, but I keep thinking. No, you're good. Um, so they sold the store um, years ago, um, but eventually, what I would love to do in the future is have a cat cafe, but have it be ice cream. So, like an ice cream cat cafe so there'll be like adoptable cats and you can get an ice cream cone there too so because i really uh, i really love doing the ice cream thing so i love see i'm glad i asked another ice cream question i think that's an awesome idea that's really really that's really cool i love i keep trying to get them on the show and none of them answer me but i think i love that idea you know, of cat ice cream i think that's awesome yeah, so in the future, you know, we, we have a lot of ideas and sure. um, dreams and stuff. So that's definitely, that'll definitely be one of them. Well, I will, I will film it for my YouTube channel if, when that happens. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your insight. And thank you for everything you've done your whole life, literally, to, to helping to helping homeless cats. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me on. It was a pleasure. Of course. Thank you. Take care. You too. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. Uh, uh, just amazing. Amazing what she does on behalf of not only friendly cats, but sometimes unfriendly cats or unadoptable cats, because every cat, whether they're friendly or not, they need our help. I, as I've discussed, I have a colony of about seven cats that show up at my door. Um, and that number has, you know, changed over the years and the cats have changed um, over the years. You know, there's been some old, old timers, but, you know, some move on for one, for one way or another. But a few of them you can't go near. My beloved Frank, the best I was able to do was boop his nose. Um, there's an orange cat named Cheddar who has eluded my efforts to trap him so far, but I won't give up. Um, he's an orange cat. He shows up for food. If I go outside to put the food out for him, he'll, he'll kind of move off and kind of run away for a few feet and kind of keep his distance. And as soon as I go back inside, he'll eat his food. If he wants more, he'll just sit by the door and look at me, but you cannot approach him. And I have, I've had a few cats like that, that don't want anything to do with me, but come, they know they're safe and they appreciate the food. So those cats need help too. So thank you, Stephanie, for telling your story. Thank you for joining the show. We really appreciate it. And um, why do I keep saying we? It's me. I really appreciate it. So thank you, Stephanie. Um, go find her. If she needs trappers, she needs all the help she can get. So please reach out to Stephanie if you're able to trap and if you're on Long Island. And if you're not, donate. Do what you can because we all need to do our part. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week in episode 29. Have a great week. Stay safe. Keep your pets safe. Goodbye.